Downloading verbally committed. Welcome to verbally committed. Well, first of all, what kind of mythical powers does a sun devil have? We've got to consider that. Verbally? Yeah, yeah, you like that one? Let that one soak in for a minute. Committed. Well, what do you think? What kind of questions are? I mean, I'll answer your questions, not your insults. I'm not going to, so quit asking. What else do you want to know? See, I'm bitterly disappointed. Can't make that any more clear. Now, Connor Ryan and Mike Gilligan. Howdy, everybody. Episode number 22 of Verbally Committed Podcast, presented by Couch Guy Sports, the voice you're listening to that belongs to Connor Ryan. In this sultry voice belongs to Mike Gilligan. <laughs> tried that before. It doesn't work. This ASMR Ooh. podcast. Ooh. Let the like, words cascade over your ears like a tall glass of milk. We've already tried to break. We already tried to break in the ASMR game. It doesn't work. See, although, unless they're quietly listening and they're just not letting us know that they're like, oh, into it. <laughs> I mean, that is ASMR style, quietly listening. But uh, <laughs> anyways, I'm Connor Ryan. He's Mike Gilligan. Welcome to Verbally Command Again, presented by Couch Guy Sports. Go check out couchguysports.com, merch, blogs, other podcasts, everything you need to know on there. Uh, we are here to break down what was another wild and continuously and getting even busier week of college sports, mainly college football. Week two of the Big Ten was just played we have more questions than answers in terms of the Big Ten. The MAC is coming back like hours right before we record this, so uh, we're not going to have any. Unfortunately, when you hear this on Thursday, you're going to already know the outcome of the MAC games. We don't know when we're recording this. Pull back the curtain, I guess you could say, on on the uh, production side of verbally committed, um, and then. Uh, Pac-12 comes back this weekend. Pac-12 After Dark is back. Oh, my God. That is awesome. Uh, so we're here to break all of that down for you. We have a lot to talk about today. Uh, so what, let's not even fuck around here, Gilly. We are going to get straight into the teeth of this uh, season and what was last week and going into this week. Because like we, uh, our, our note section, I think, is as, as big as ever. Uh, again, pull back the – I'm just like uh, – this is like a back – behind the scenes to are verbally committed. Uh, you know, when we record this, uh, you know how we put the topics that we come up with together. It's on a little cloud note for me and Gilly. Uh, but this is like our biggest one ever. So I- I'm excited. There's a lot to talk about this week. Yeah, no, we, uh, no, you're right. Let's best to get just right into it. And yeah, uh, you know what? No fucking we'll around. Some action next week. <laughs> right. This is verbally committed. This is the non-fucking around podcast. Um, so let's get right away down into it and break Gilly's heart right off the bat. Uh, Michigan and Michigan State. Yikes. Michigan losing to Michigan State. Little brother, what happened there for the Wolverines? Uh, it, it, they flat out just got beat. Uh, by what they call little brother, but Michigan State's kind of owned that rivalry. D'Antonio's gone. It is now uh, – the program's in the capable hands of Mel Tucker, apparently. And a week – I told you, I did try telling you, I talked myself into betting on Michigan State at like plus 26, 24, something like that. But they turned the ball over a ridiculous amount of times against Rutgers. They weren't going to do that again against Michigan. They would at least keep it within, I think, 20 points. Uh, I did not expect them to win. As you and I stated last week, you don't have to win. You don't even have to keep it close or make it a game. You just have to cover. 
Uh, and I feel like for every single team we said that for, they ended up either winning or making it dangerously close uh, to a huge upset loss. And this was a huge upset loss. Yikes for Michigan. Not a good look. Yeah, I mean, kind of, I shouldn't say the end of the season for Michigan, but their relevancy, yeah. now they just have to play spoiler, which is crazy, considering, again, and it was reserved hype coming into the season, but man, wild. Especially after they took took care of business at Minnesota, um, and really, they blew it open there, but I mean, that might tell us that Minnesota is really not that good, which we kind of learned this week. <laughs> we'll get into that, I guess, after um, yeah, they lost to, uh, to Maryland. Yep, Minnesota wow. losing to Maryland. That was actually the first one we said you don't have to win. You don't have to make it a game. Just cover yeah, that, 20, like lock works. <laughs> Maryland wins in overtime. Uh, absolutely wild. I mean, the, the Big Ten is more questions than there. The only sure thing in the Big Ten right now, I think, is Ohio State. Uh, and I think it's pretty much uh, game over in terms of anybody else trying to win the Big Ten because Ohio State beat Penn State. Uh, Penn State already lost to Indiana. Michigan loses to Michigan State. It, it's Ohio State's conference to lose. They they can the only way they lose this conference is if they beat themselves. Simple as that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. They have a inside track to the college football playoff just two weeks into this uh, Big Ten uh, hi, hybrid schedule. And even Wisconsin, it, it is unfortunate because they could have at least been interesting. Um, I feel like we're always, Wisconsin usually kind of has an easier schedule. I feel like, so that's why they're always relevant deep into the year. Um, However, uh, with them missing a couple of games due to COVID, if they miss another game, they're not even eligible for uh, the college football playoff. So let's let's jump into Wisconsin uh, because that is one of our topics here. Um, And and that's kind of our, our, our subject here is last week we talked first week one, is it okay? Was Penn State actually the team to beat against Ohio State? We agreed. Yes, we think on paper they were. Uh, they lose to Ohio State by uh, 13 points last week, and then we said, okay, it's actually Michigan, and Michigan loses to Michigan State. So I don't think the question is so much. Uh, and like we just said, Ohio State's kind of the one to beat now. Michigan and Penn State. It's Ohio State can only beat themselves. That's pretty much how they're going to lose this thing. Wisconsin was an interesting one. They had their game against Nebraska canceled. Um, I was very upset about that, but whatever it, it happens. And in hindsight now, because Wisconsin is at, their team is blown up. I think they have like over 20, around 25 cases, uh, positive cases on their team right now. It is a mess right now for the Badgers in hindsight. Fine. I, you know what? Let's not risk the rest of the Husker season just so we could play, uh, a, a ravaged Wisconsin roster. That's fine. But they had their game against Purdue this weekend canceled in case you missed that one. Um, and one more cancellation, which for Wisconsin and the way they were looking is very entirely possible for them. Uh, and they're done. They can Well, not done for the season, but they cannot compete for the Big Ten championship. So my question to you, Gilly, since you brought this up, who would you say is the favorite to come out of the Big Ten West now? Let's, let's assume Wisconsin's out. Let's assume they're done because I think they even have to probably – like run the table or, or lose one game and get some help uh, to make it to the Big Ten championship game now. Uh, so let let's let's assume it. Let's say Badgers, you're done. You're you're not uh, in contention for the Big Ten championship. Who's coming out of the West? You know, I, I chuckle to myself because I, I just think it's absurd to to suggest this, but <laughs> Northwestern. I mean, oh god, I thought you were going to say Nebraska. Boom. Oh god. <laughs> I don't know. Realistically, though, Nebraska has a quite a decent chance, realistically. Um, I mean, so right now, just in terms of the standings, and obviously uh, 
this will change in a couple couple days here, so it could be um, irrelevant to, to say. But Northwestern's two and zero. Purdue is two and zero. You do have Wisconsin at one and zero, but they have their own scheduling issues. That's going to yeah. be a nightmare to come back from that and to expect to them them to be at like a high level. Another thing to mention about Wisconsin. Sorry to cut you off there, but yeah. I did uh, point this out on our Twitter page at Pod Verbal Commit. Uh, the fact that Wisconsin got COVID now during the season actually really kind of hurts them because you could argue this was supposed to be the easiest part uh, of their schedule because it was, uh, let's see, Illinois, Nebraska, Purdue. And then after that, now granted, again, like I said, we have a ton of question marks in the Big Ten, but then you go Michigan, Northwestern, Minnesota, Indiana, Iowa. Uh, Michigan, I mean, granted, they're, they're up and down under Harbaugh, but still that's Michigan. Northwestern is pretty good this year. Uh, Minnesota, you never know. It's a rivalry game between those two. Indiana's uh, ranked 13th all of a sudden, so they're not bad. And then Iowa's always going to give you a fight, even though Iowa looks pretty weak. Uh, I was going to say, they're 0-2. Well. That's another surprising one out in the West. Right. Um, so for Wisconsin, it actually kind of hurts that they lost the Nebraska and Purdue game, two games they were definitely going to be favored in. Uh, so, again, their role just gets even tougher, which kind of makes me feel a little more confident in saying, scrap Wisconsin, now who's coming out of the West and you say Northwestern? I, I like Northwestern. Again, I feel like it's an absurd pick because it's just – although, you know what? It was only a couple of years ago that they were in the Big Ten yeah. Championship, right? That's it's not that absurd. You're right. Northwestern's been playing really well to start the season. Um, granted, it's against, what, Maryland and – Iowa. Purdue or oh, Iowa. Uh, yeah. And they won by That's a single right. point. I, Again, I, I would not have bet on Northwestern against Iowa. I'm shocked that they won. Um, but then they trounce Maryland. And Maryland does not look bad at all, obviously, based on the little bit that we've seen after that. One week, obviously, small sample size. Who knows? Maybe Maryland will be the pendulum. That's just like either they're really good or they're really bad week to week. But it'll be interesting, though, because um, I think Northwestern, they have Nebraska this week. Uh, and Purdue has yeah. Wisconsin. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Purdue doesn't play again until Northwestern. So I think the uh, so Northwestern, in their hands, they're, they're, they can control their uh, their destiny there, Northwestern. I was going to say, silly, you, you just pointed out there, Northwestern is actually then in a way kind of playing uh, for the Big Ten Championship pretty early on, or to, uh, uh, punch their ticket to Indy really early on in the season because you're right, they have Nebraska this week, which for, for those of you that don't know, Nebraska Northwestern for some strange reason the battle for the end on the side of the helmet uh the battle between the Netflix teams is unbelievably tight every single year I don't know why uh even when Nebraska was pretty good in nine wins under Pelini Northwestern was always a dogfight last year it came down to the uh the shittiest field goal I've ever seen in my entire life uh on my wedding day nonetheless to to beat Northwestern um so I expect a, a dogfight again between the Huskers and the Wildcats in Evanston this weekend. But you're right. For Northwestern, uh, Nebraska, Purdue, back-to-back weeks, uh, that could pretty much tell – actually, they got Nebraska, Purdue, Wisconsin, three straight weeks. Uh, this three-week stretch is going to be – That's going to tell the tale for Northwestern this year. Yeah, no, exactly. And I don't know. I, I Who do you think? Are you kind of more in on Purdue? Are you believing in your Huskers to uh, to bounce back? I, obviously, they're – that was a, an expected loss against Ohio State, so it's not yeah. like it's oh my gosh, a crazy upset that they got beat by a an Iowa or a um, Maryland or anything crazy. But and if we go by the uh, Wisconsin logic of boy, that was you know two games that they you know on the schedule they probably would not have picked to have canceled. 
um, in terms of easy wins. Uh, for Nebraska, a good game to kind of have canceled in terms of Wisconsin. You were not going to be favored. It would have been an upset to knock off Wisconsin. Um, Nebraska's schedule is still somewhat tough. Like we said, I throw statistics, throw everything out uh, when it comes to Nebraska, Northwestern. Um, and I don't want to drink the Kool-Aid too much because Nebraska then does have Penn State next week. That's going to be tough because Penn State could be coming into that one one and two and pissed off on the season. Um, and I actually, in my blog, I wrote a couple weeks ago previewing the season. I had Nebraska losing to Ohio State, beating Wisconsin, barely beating Northwestern, and being two and one and looking promising heading into Penn State week. Everybody flying high in Nebraska land uh, until Penn State uh, throttles them. So I, I don't think Nebraska uh, beats Penn State. Um, but it's crazy that the Big Ten's crazy, crazy this year. We might be sitting here today saying, boy, Northwestern looks like. Uh, you know, maybe a favorite to make it to Indy out of the Big Ten West if it's not Wisconsin. Uh, in two weeks' time here, Gilly, we could easily be saying, what were we thinking about Northwestern? It's pretty yeah, I, exactly. And me even saying that, because it, it just sounds it sounds relatively absurd to say, especially going into the season, um, expectations were pretty much pretty low. And, <laughs> and it, we're only two weeks in uh, for the Big Ten, at least. So they probably should still be tapered down. But that's just how wide open um, the Big Ten West really is, um, which is cool. Should be fun. It should be fun. Two weeks we could be circling Nebraska, Purdue, and saying this is the game to watch, or Iowa, and maybe Iowa makes a comeback, or Wisconsin figures it out and runs the table and still somehow gets into the Big Ten champion. That's possible. Certainly, certainly still possible. That's going to be tough, acad- though. For academics' sake, we're playing a fun. Or we're playing devil's advocate. We're playing hypotheticals. If it's not Wisconsin, then who? And you're right. It is pretty much wide open. It's incredible that uh, it could be a Nebraska-Ohio State rematch, but Ohio State doesn't want that. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, game you picked last week, you know, one of your big underdog favorites, Boston College-Clemson. Boy, BC gave gave Clemson a scare, but DJ Ukulele, I still don't know if that's how you say his name. Uh, I'm not sure either, actually. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, but he was able to able to come back and uh, and, and secure a win for, for Clemson. Yeah, no, that was uh, one heck of a game. I mean, painful for BC to to be out in front pretty much the entire time, and then have that fourth quarter comeback yeah, by uh, yeah, by Clemson. So I don't know. I, I I BC is still legit. I I really like them. Obviously, it's not like we're talking them to be um, actual contenders to be in the top ten even of like the country. I don't I don't think they're quite that level, but they're an interesting team that uh. I don't know, can hang with the, the big boys. I think that proves that. So they're a team on the rise, in my opinion. And I love Phil uh, Jerkovic. He's mm-hmm. he's awesome. He is good. Uh, he, he's a really good quarterback. Uh, but DJ Ugalele, he wasn't bad either. Uh, 30 of 41, 342 yards, two touchdowns. Granted, he pretty much had to throw to bring back uh, Clemson in that game. But the defense stepped up, shutting out Boston College in the second half. That's the – one of those clear ones where it's just like they had it, they were rolling because they were pumped getting off the bus. Uh, you're up at halftime, you go into halftime, you kind of you, you calm down, that adrenaline dies off, and you can't gain that mojo back uh, heading into the second half. Now, big game for Clemson coming up this week, and bad news for Clemson. Uh, Trevor Lawrence he's, has COVID. It's a strict 14-day policy for the ACC. He will not be able to play for Clemson. I heard rumors he's traveling with the team. He's going to be on the sideline or something like that with Clemson this weekend in, against Notre Dame. But 
I'll be fascinated to see what that looks like, especially with the ACC taking it so seriously. That seems absurd to me. It's like, why even have him there? Right? Uh, but they put him in a bubble, though. That'd be funny. He's just rolling around like that movie Bubble Boy. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just I, I'm seeing a, a tweet now or, or something from Seth Walder on ESPN Analytics. Uh, basically, if Clemson wins over Notre Dame, Clemson has an 85% chance to make the playoff. Notre Dame's chances fall to 13 with a Notre Dame win. Uh, both of them basically go 50-50 at 48%. So this is clearly a must-win game for Notre Dame. Uh, if Clemson wins, they pretty much already have punched their ticket to the college football playoff because the next time those two teams would meet up is the AC championship game, and Trevor Lawrence will be back. So must-win game this weekend uh, for Notre Dame. But my, I also find it interesting, like you said, the ACC very strict with their COVID policies. If this was an SEC matchup, there is no chance this gets played Saturday, or at least there, there's no chance Trevor Lawrence doesn't play. Yeah, I mean, look at the whole saving thing. And granted, right. was that a actually? And I, I'm, I should, I should have uh, done a little more research before even saying this. But was that even like a confirmed positive case, or was it a false positive? I can't remember. I think it was more like just he was asymptomatic. He wasn't showing symptoms, so they ran another test on him. I can't remember. No, you're right. I mean, because he obviously tested negative enough times to get back yeah. out there by SEC measures. Yeah. But that was just so crazy. Where it's like this guy just like it was just broke broken within. I will say maybe it was like four Wednesday. or five days. I don't think it was a full week or anything crazy. Oh, it was Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, it was. That's it was, what it was. Yeah, because it was like right. I think it was. I think I added it to our note at the last second. Like, oh, by the way, Nick Saban has COVID. Just throw that out there. Yeah, I know we talked about COVID. it, but wow, yeah, that's crazy. Then I don't yeah. know. That just shows too. Well, that's the tough thing. It's like, uh, even in the the sense of like, um, Big Ten kind of evening the playing field by not having fans in any stadium. Um, it just shows even conference to conference how different things are. And it's like this season. Obviously, it's great that we're having uh, football to some degree as long as it's done safely. But just shows how much can vary uh, between the different conferences. So an SEC school has a less, I don't know, it, it's a lot easier to uh, to kind of keep trudging on and for the sake of football. I agree. Uh, you got your sweatshirt just in time to watch them lose. Yep. Repping it today, but Oklahoma State, <laughs> I, pre- I, I told you they were going down. I had a feeling. I had a weird gut feeling. And it was an ugly, if you watch that Texas-Oklahoma State game, uh, if you just watch it through the highlights, it's an entertaining game because it goes to overtime and Oklahoma State has like a last second drive. Uh, but for the pretty much most part, if you actually sat down and watched that whole game, that was an ugly game. Texas had no business winning that game. Their offense couldn't do anything. They went on like a at the end of the game to tie it or take the lead. One of those two things, I think take the lead. Um, they drove it like. 55 yards in like nine minutes. Like it wasn't pretty. They converted on fourth down like three times. Uh, it was just an ugly game. Texas, I don't think, had any business winning that game. They somehow did. Uh, that, that's a tough one for Oklahoma State to kind of take on the chin. Uh, they had opportunities, and that's the thing. That's the, That was the takeaway for me where it's like, all right, whatever. It's it questionable calls, as there always are, but that was um, – I don't know. They they had their chance, even to to win it in regulation. Um, they they really had a decent shot at at, uh, at doing that. But then I think uh, there was a I think there was one or two plays. It was kind of just shitty clock management. All of a sudden, it was like, well, they're just going to do it and go for the uh, uh, the field goal instead to send it into yeah. overtime. So I don't know. That was kind of kind of lame. Hurt because I uh, that was one of my locks of the week. 
I went one and one on the week because of that. But we'll see. Chubba Hubbard, by the way, how how good is he? Are we? I was convinced coming into the season, he was like by and far just like the the best running back in the country. Uh, maybe uh, Travis Etienne is more like versatile, skilled DeAndre Swift type. But um, I don't know, Chubba Hubbard. I again, this this Texas defense has kind of been. Uh, uh, gashed open by a bunch of other uh, teams so far, and he he had 25 carries for for just 72 yards on the ground. I don't know. I'm just I, I keep waiting for like a huge, huge breaking out game where it's like he just destroys someone. And granted, I think trying to see which game it was because he did have one impressive game where I was like, okay, okay, he might be back. But um, for the most part, okay, 145 yards against Kansas. I mean, yeah, it's Kansas, it's Kansas. Um, I will say in that one. Uh, I, I was watching that game and they were talking about it. Um, Texas basically loaded the box and dared Oklahoma State to throw on them. I think they said, okay, if Spencer Sanders beats us, then he beats us. Because uh, Sanders was very up and down inconsistent that day. And then Tylen Wallace had a huge game. 11 catches for the Pokes, 187 yards and two scores. And when I was watching that game, they, they highlighted like, okay, Texas is bringing an extra safety down and run support to take away Hubbard. Um, and they let Tylen Wallace just feast on him one on one in the secondary the entire game. So that's probably why Hubbard didn't have a great game. Um, yeah. But you're right; he's kind of been a disappointment this year. We came in thinking like, "Hey, maybe Heisman hopeful," and yeah. he just kind of hasn't exploded yet. He hasn't had those plays. He had one touchdown run against Iowa State where I was like, "Oh, man, like that's a heck of a move. That's a heck of a run." But he hasn't. You're right; he hasn't had that game where he's just taken over for Oklahoma State put them on their back and said, like, I will drag us to victory here today because I am Chuba Hubbard. Yeah. No, that's what's, I don't know. You kind of almost, and it's not fair to, to him, um, but you almost expect, like, video game type numbers of just, like, yeah. absurd stats. And in the Big 12. Especially in a week, Big 12. That's the thing, too. Yeah. It's not it's like, oh, man, you know, Oklahoma State, they're trudging along. They're a 500 team. Uh, it's awesome that Hubbard is doing what he is. Like, no, Oklahoma State's a really good team, especially yeah. compared to the relative disappointment of the across the big 12 but so you, you mentioned the big 12's week and we kind of hit on this a little bit last week but uh with oklahoma state losing they're not out of the race by any means at all just because how the big 12 set up um and they still have a game against oklahoma on their uh in their future but who would you say is the favorite to win the big 12 now is it still oklahoma state because if you look at the big 12 right now uh, Iowa State and Kansas State tied at the top with a four and one conference record. Uh, Oklahoma State three and one conference record is in third. Oklahoma, Texas, and West Virginia. I, in fact, they even come on. Why are they? They don't count. Uh, it's <laughs> they're tied for fourth. Um, I, I guess I'll start because I said last week, and I think I said it on Twitter too, that again at Pod Verbal Commit, go give us a follow. That Oklahoma was going to come back and win this conference. I have just, I have a weird, bad feeling about it. Um, I guess Iowa State would have to lose a couple because if they finish with the same record as Oklahoma, they obviously have that tiebreaker. But as well as Kansas State, actually for Oklahoma, they're kind of, those two teams are blocking them because uh, that's who they lost to in Iowa State and Kansas State. But I just still, I have a weird feeling Oklahoma found their groove, and they were one of my locks last week as well. Um, and they crushed Texas Tech. Uh, 
which, I mean, that was an easy pick. And I also realized last week as a Nebraska fan, my locks were Oklahoma and Texas. Um, there's no rivalries when it comes to making money, people. Uh, there's no colors. Um, but I had a fear. I guess now that I look at the map, it, it's a little bit tougher for Oklahoma to do, but I still have a weird gut feeling Oklahoma is going to sneak up and, and win this conference. All comes down to Bedlam, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I tend to agree. I think that that's basically the, the Big 12 championship right there. Well, or, uh, Oklahoma State, Kansas State this week, I believe. So, yeah, Oklahoma State beats Kansas State. Um, Iowa State would have to lose to someone like Texas. Uh, it's 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 possible. Both Kansas State and Iowa State need to lose three conference games for Oklahoma because that's a tiebreaker. But um, you're right. Th this conference could easily all come down to Bedlam. That's my prediction is that it's going to uh, Bedlam will decide the Big 12 conference. I mean, and to be yeah, the rest of their each of their schedules, though, is pretty cake too. realistically. Oklahoma's got Kansas. Oklahoma State is a tough game. West Virginia Baylor. And then Oklahoma State has, as you said, Kansas State this week. Um, then that Oklahoma game. Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor. So not, you know what I mean? I don't, granted, towards the end of the season, a whole different scenario. Maybe someone does play spoiler, but yeah. No, well, that, that'll be the, the Kansas no, State and Iowa State do play each other once. So that will be an automatic loss for somebody. True. True. Because um, no. I'm looking at both of theirs here. So, and Iowa State's is a little bit easier just because they have Baylor this week. That should be a win for them. It should be, but I mean, be, it would be classic Iowa State to piss away the Big 12. Um, Kansas State, so that's going to be an automatic win for Oklahoma no matter what, uh, or Oklahoma State. And then Texas, which, again, I could see Texas just throwing an absolute wrench into everything again and beating Iowa State, and then they finish up with West Virginia, which actually would be more classic Iowa State is all they would have to do is control their own destiny, beat West Virginia at home to finish out the season, and they lose that game. That would be classic <laughs> Iowa State. But um, I, I, the, the path isn't as clear as I thought it was when I was thinking about this last weekend, but I still feel just a weird gut feeling that Oklahoma is going to end up conference champs at the end of the year. Yeah, no, I mean, they're certainly coming into their own, so definitely definitely possible, especially crazy to think, um, considering they started out um, one and two, and it, that's counting their, uh, their uh, not preseason game, but the, I think they played like Missouri State for yeah, their non-conference game, which that's not really helping their resume any much anymore. Yeah, they played anymore. some random team, who cares? Uh, Penn yeah. State, Ohio State, Penn State, uh, Sean Clifford said during the week that they are not around or they are not here to just hang around with Ohio State. They are here to uh, beat them. Well, Penn State pretty much did actually what Clifford said they weren't here to do, isn't that? They weren't there to beat Ohio State. They were never really, never made it dangerous. I think at the end of the game, there was like, I, you texted me and it was like, ooh, watch out. And then like two seconds later, you're like, yeah, never mind. Uh, yeah, because it was like, yeah, they 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 had I think a late turnover in their favor for Penn State, so it's like, oh, if they drive here, they'll be within a score or maybe even within eight or so. And then it was like, oh, okay. Then they turned the ball over and it was over. So I was like, yeah, okay, about never it. mind. So I was trying to make it fun, but yeah. Jahan Dotson, that was the uh, uh, the player of the day there of that game. Obviously, Justin Fields went off per usual, yeah. but um, for for Penn State there, he kind of asserted himself uh, atop the. Uh, um, the, the wide receiver rankings, I'm, I'm sure in terms of many people's eyes, kind of even from an NFL prospect perspective, eight receptions, 144 yards, three touchdowns, just a That's massive game, but a couple really big highlight catches there yeah. too. 
Yeah, uh, Penn State's uh, they make some they, they produce some good wide receivers very quietly. KJ Hamler, Allen Robinson. Uh, it's usually running back and linebacker. You Penn State, but last few years they've been uh, they've been making some pretty darn good wide receivers there with James Franklin uh, at the helm. So, but Penn State zero and two. Uh, their playoff chances finished done. Uh, their chances of trying to take down Ohio State in the Big Ten done. Um, Congrats to Penn State, but it's over for you. Uh, I, I do want to talk about, like you said, Justin Fields, again, absolutely incredible. Ohio State was able to get the run game going a little bit more than they did against Nebraska. Actually, shocking I'm saying that. But uh, is with Trevor Lawrence out against Notre Dame, which was going to probably be his Heisman moment this year, and the other hopefuls kind of being Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, nice story, but not quite. Uh, is Justin Fields your new Heisman favorite? So I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, and and I'm kind of I'm going to kind of lean towards Vegas, actually, and say oh. that Mac Jones, it's still kind of his um, award to lose. I just think having a full schedule and as many kind of statement Heisman moments as he'll likely have, I think that'll be kind of um uh, his award to lose, like I just said, um, and Justin Fields, I, especially with the Big Ten, it seems like a mess right now. Even a team like Penn State, it seems like they're not even going to be ranked at the end of the season. <laughs> Obviously, kind of a, an early or too early to tell and make that assertion. But you know what I mean? Even if that's a a, a top 15 matchup as of week two um, or Big Ten week two, I guess we're in what normal week nine that was. Mm -hmm. But you, you know what I'm saying. So I, I just I also lean Mac Jones, but my eyes are on Justin Fields. And if if I were to make a bet on it, I think I would go with Justin Fields because I think I just think he's more talented. And I think there's also he probably wants that moment, too, where it's like, oh, this is my chance. This is um, his opportunity to really go off. And with the way that Ohio State plays, he could put up crazy numbers and and outperform Mac Jones even in that period of time. But, um, yeah, trickier for him to do so. What do you think? Yeah. I'm kind of with you. The one thing holding back Justin Fields is the same thing we're getting right now with Trevor Lawrence. And I said it last week, we could all wake up tomorrow with the alert that Justin Fields tested positive for COVID and he's a hard stop for uh, three weeks. So, and that automatically kills his Heisman chances right there. I would say though, let's not play pessimistically. Let's not bet pessimistically. Um, and I would say, yes, he is the favorite to me. Uh, I think the only reason he's not the favorite is probably that thought exactly right there. Because, uh, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is out for 10 days or 14 days, and he's at plus 400. Um, and we all know Mac Jones, if he if he catches COVID, he's going to be out for like three days. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not going to – it's not, he's not going to affect him. He'll be right back in there. Or even for Alabama, they're not – I don't know, they might not even miss a beat. Um, you, have th you have three – uh, Crimson Tide players inside the top six uh, for Heisman voted or Heisman uh, odds right now, according to Vegas, which is crazy. Mac Jones, their quarterback, Devontae Smith, one of their wide receivers, and Najee Harris, their running back. Those they're in the top six. So half of the Heisman field in the top six, according to Vegas, uh, are Alabama Crimson Tide players, which could steal some votes from Mac. Yes, yeah, you're right. Um, they might sit there and say, okay, yes, Mac is the one who holds the keys to the car, but the Heisman belongs to the engine of the car, and that's Najee Harris, or that belongs to, you know, the I don't know what else, the tires, and that's Devontae Smith. <laughs> um, so 
I would still lean. I, I'm leaning Justin Fields. He's the real deal to me. He's only played two games. That could be the whole reason why, too. We just need to see more. And um, But you're right, though. Ohio State doesn't have a tough schedule going forward now. Their next toughest uh, game is probably Michigan, unless you want to really seriously count Rutgers next week. Um, or Indiana. Or, <laughs> Number or Indiana. 13, Indiana. Yeah, so there's respect on them. <laughs> I mean, I guess where is Justin Fields' Heisman moment? But uh, I would say it's Fields' award to lose right now, in my opinion. Like, we, we talked about that last week. He just looks too good. He looks NFL-ready. Um, it just give him the Zoom invite. He's there. Uh, no problem. Uh, Cincinnati and BYU uh, won last week as Cincinnati took down Memphis, uh, kind of a big rivalry game inside the um, American Athletic Conference, I guess, for them. And then BYU, uh, they took down Western Kentucky 41-10. to my question isn't more talking about their games last week, but is there a scenario? Can we play devil's advocate? Can we, uh, as they say on like Fox News or CNN right now, uh, does the math check out? Can they get enough, win enough states, win enough counties to where uh, they Cincinnati and or BYU ends up in the playoff? I'll uh, I'll wait. I'll have to. Let's let's go to. Let's take a look at John King at the big board here. So I see a path right about here. Um, no, I, I think BYU. In this game, they don't have to worry about this one. That, that's always a BYU favorite. Those storming Mormons, they're uh, – they, no, I I really do think that BYU has a chance. They're kind of my pick of those two to uh, to kind of play spoiler and uh, and eat into that um, deficiency of the, the Big 12 being um, as good as I think we're just used to and expect. Um, as well as the SEC even being a, a relative disappointment in terms of uh, um, uh, like the 2020 season that Georgia still, I, I'm not convinced that they are going to even have a, a real shot at being in the, the college football playoff. In my opinion, I, I feel like they, I don't trust them at least. I think they're still going to lose to like a Florida. They, they barely beat um, Kentucky last week. I think it was 14 to three. That doesn't yeah. make me feel like that's a, Oh, they're, they're ticked off. They lost to Bama after a good first half, and they're they're ready to make a run. I don't know. I, I just don't feel great about that. Um, but BYU, I, I love Zach Wilson. He's another Heisman hopeful um, sleeper pick um, outside of the uh, the big three of Fields, Mac Jones, and Trevor Lawrence. Um, just not not to get away from the topic here, uh, but I do want to report Maction has started. And the first kickoff of Maction in 2020 was an onside kick by Akron. I love it. They, <laughs> they just feed into it too, right? That's just that's the best. They they're so self-aware, like, but in like the best way. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, let's be so let's just be it, it, we're playing football on uh, a Wednesday Please night. Switch. Who cares? Let's just be let's be stupid about it. Um I absolutely love it. Akron, way to go. Maction, I just picture like Maction, the uh, Maction, the coaches at the end of every game being like kind of like grinning at each other, whether they win or lose is like, you son of a bitch. Good game. Every time it's like, Oh, you, you clever guy. It's just like kind of salty at each other, but kind of respecting it at the same time. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what I picture every, every uh, post game 
meeting. The head coach of like Eastern Michigan and Buffalo, like, ah, I knew you'd be tough on a Tuesday. You always are. On Saturday, <laughs> on Saturday, you're nothing, but on Tuesday night, weird things happen in Buffalo. I know it. Uh, Can you believe we're missing, missing Dancing with the Stars for this? <laughs> <laughs> what happened on The Bachelor? I don't know. I didn't get caught up all the way. Don't, tell me, don't tell me. Don't tell me. <laughs> don't tell me. Don't tell me. Um, <laughs> what were we talking about again? Oh, BYU and Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. It, just because, uh, again, the rankings are not really uh, giving either of those teams respect. Not that that's surprising. We've seen that in the past, especially with like a team like UCF. Uh, and they had their perfect season under – who was that? Oh, Scott Frost. That's right. Um, you know, they didn't really give them any – a second. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just flexing. Um, so, I don't know. That's it, tough to say if there's a path. But 2020 is weird. Um, you could easily get something to where, let's say, like Notre Dame wins this weekend without Trevor Lawrence for Clemson, and Clemson comes back and beats Notre Dame. So it's a one-loss Clemson. Um, Bama gets in. Say Ohio State loses again. That's really where I think for BYU and Cincinnati, they have to that, – that's where they're going to get in. Don't worry about the SEC. Someone will get in from the SEC. Uh, probably don't worry about Clemson. More than likely, unless they lose both games to Notre Dame, they're out or they're in. Uh, and if they do, then Notre Dame's in. So don't even worry. About it. Notre Dame or Clemson will get in from the ACC. Uh, really, I think they have to worry about Ohio State. If Ohio State loses a game, especially late in the season, like in the Big Ten Championship or against Michigan, um, but I think they keep that at the same time at Thanksgiving. But anyways, uh, that's where I think for BYU and Cincinnati, that's their path in. They have to – Ohio State has to lose. Um, and there can't be anybody out of the Pac-12 that runs the table. Like in Oregon. That's true, too. You're so, right, because I, I think I'm kind of taking that for granted right now, too. Yeah. With Oregon, so, likely well, that's their, that's their path in. But other than that, I don't know. They're just the, – I mean, BYU is still ranked ninth. I mean, they're giving – the polls are – uh, giving Indiana way more credit for their two wins than BYU's seven, uh, which granted, be, uh, Indiana beat uh, Penn State handedly and then took care of Rutgers. So um, take that what you will, but uh, they are taking Indiana's two wins way more seriously than BYU's seven. And if BYU uh, loses this weekend to Boise State, that's a huge game for BYU. That, you know, that could help them bump up by how much really they're going to what jump from like ninth to seventh. I mean, it's not going to all of a sudden put BYU like, Oh, it's yeah. not going to have the committee sitting there saying like, Ooh, they beat beat or Boise state this weekend. Guys, we should probably put them fifth because you know, um, so yeah. I don't know. I, that's the only way I see it. Them getting in is if pure chaos ensues and there's literally like, okay, we have nobody else to put in except for, and undefeated BYU. So you're probably that, right. The game against Boise State this weekend goes a long way. If it's a close game and they sort of struggle, that hurts BYU. If they blow them out, then it may be open some eyes. The tough thing is, though, even after that, they really have no other tests. Um, no. If San Diego State at the end of the season, and then and, North Alabama uh, the week before that. And unfortunately, so, that's, that, that's you know being an independent in 2020. True. It's just, true. I mean, how it is, you know, no, you're, you're going to get there. Not going to get a of uh <laughs> of college football it's like all yeah. right yeah you, you've got the great record but but who have you really beaten but i i genuinely think that byu could could at least hang and be interesting with with some of those 
um, power five teams that are atop the standings right now. So that's why I hope they get the chance. But realistically, you probably are right. And it's everything would have to go perfectly chaotic in order for the Cougars to uh, to slide into that college football playoff spot. Which it could, you know, that's very, it's very so. for 2020. I mean, uh, things Especially are, with the Heisman candidate and Zach Wilson, like, you know what I mean? That'll be, that would be fun as heck. Have which the, the week could be his Heisman moment against BYU or Boise State. I keep seeing BYU's playing BYU, but th- that could be his on moment against turf. Boise State. On the blue turf, on the road in Boise. I don't know if fans are allowed there or not, but um, it could be. That that could, and like I said, they blow him out like another 45 to 20 win for BYU. Then all of a sudden, and that's tomorrow night, uh, Friday night, by the way, um, which BYU has been uh, playing very well on Friday nights. Uh, and three-point spread in that one, but I'm sure we'll touch that game here in a moment. Um, that could be his Heisman moment, and maybe that's the one that opens people's eyes. But again, how far does that move BYU up? I don't think it moves him up to a fifth. It moves him up to maybe seventh, Just be, and that's probably because someone from Florida, Georgia has to fall um, from their matchup this week. So, I mean, it's, it, no, it's just they just need to hold, hold their pattern after that and just hope that other people falter, which is not right. a fun place to be in because you don't control your own destiny. But like you said, I mean, Texas at four and one uh, and really with the only one impressive victory over Florida is ranked higher than them. Yeah. So. And even then, I mean, Florida has not looked good since. So it's kind of like, even, how impressive is that? You know, Cincinnati is at least ranked sixth. Uh, maybe there's an argument that Cincinnati uh, can make it in. I, I didn't even, I guess I didn't realize they were ranked sixth and they started my monologue here, but um, they have Cincinnati in their five wins as more impressive than BYU. So that with them ranked sixth, maybe they are throwing some uh, credit to the American Athletic Conference compared to years past in UCF. I guess. I don't know. It's kind of similar, though, in the situation where even though they're in a, a conference, Cincinnati's schedule is not like head and shoulders better than BYU's, though. That's that's where I struggle with it, where I'm not I'm not willing to be like, man, their wins are way more valuable. Um, I guess it all comes down to Boise State, because that would be kind of their equivalent of uh, of the win that um, Cincinnati had against SMU. They also beat Army, but I don't know. It is. Okay. Yeah. Um. What do we got? Pac-12 is coming back uh, this weekend, as we mentioned. And there was a, a blog put out on Couch Guy Sports. Go read it uh, by a former guest of ours, Chris Jones, um, where he broke down what he thinks of the Pac-12 this season. And uh, just real quick, Gilly, who do you got winning the Pac-12 this year? So I I struggle because I really – I kind of – I want more chaos, to be honest with you. Um. And I think it would be fun um, for kind of a, an unexpected team or even a USC to kind of reemerge as a uh, national title contender. I feel like they're they're kind of due. Um, but I, I realistically, I think I'm going to go chalk and go with Oregon. I think it's just I think they're too good. And the rest of the conference isn't isn't interesting enough for me to be really concerned about um, someone else winning. So I'll be I'll be lame and pick that one. Go um, here. I. Oregon, obviously, yeah, they're chalk, uh, but they are replacing Justin Herbert. Uh, Sinai Peel, they're all-pro or all-American. Sorry, he's not pro yet. All-American tackle will not be playing, but Oregon's got a legit defense. Um, I know they're usually – Oregon's usually thought of as the, you know, they're going to score 65 points a game. Not anymore. Um, they're not really that team anymore under Mario Cristobal. They are about physical football and playing defense, and uh, they, they proved that last uh, New Year's when they – beat up Wisconsin 
Um, so that's Oregon football now. And uh, so, yeah, they're chalk for this year. They're the easy pick. I won't ever believe in USC until Clay Helton proves me otherwise. I don't. That guy's not a good coach. Get him out. Um, they they screwed up by not keeping Ed Orgeron. They're, I think they're just treading water with Helton until Urban Meyer finally says, okay, I'll come to Los Angeles. Um, so I, I, I don't believe in USC. I kind of do like his sneaky pick of Arizona State. Chris Jones had them as his sneaky pick at plus 1,200 to win the conference. Um, Herm, uh, they do have a lot to replace offensively. Remember, the last two years they've had guys like Nikhil Harry, Brandon Ayuk uh, in their wide receiver core. But Jaden Daniels is a really good quarterback, and I like what Chris says here where he says uh, Jaden Daniels might be the best quarterback in the Pac-12. That remains to be seen, but he very well could be, uh, and I completely agree with that. I, I really like Jaden Daniels. And don't forget, Marvin Lewis is now uh, the one of the defensive coordinators for Arizona State this year. Um, that is weird. Marvin Lewis and Antonio Pierce, they're co-defensive coordinators this season. So, that'll interesting. Be, that'll be funny. But, um my yeah, pick their schedule the is conference. tough though for Arizona State. That's that's one thing I would say, or at least a lot of middle of the road teams. So it's I don't know, especially for being a six game schedule. That's what scares me a little bit. But my pick to win the conference, Washington Huskies. Really, I got Washington. I like them. Uh, I, I don't. <laughs> don't ask me why. Uh, well, I, I I have a reason why I should say. Don't ask me, but. Um, I do like Washington. <laughs> You'd rather not share. I don't understand. <laughs> I do like Washington this year. Jimmy Lake, it's his first year as head coach for Washington. He's taking over for Chris Peterson, who left. Uh, Peterson went eight and five last season, but Washington had a really good defense last year. Um, they were 15th in the country in terms of uh, opponents' points per game, and their defensive coordinator now takes over as their head coach. And I think that usually instills kind of a, a certain culture and a certain uh, attitude with a team when that happens. So I like Washington this year to kind of surprise some people under first-year coach Jimmy Lake. Uh, yeah, Eason, Jacob Eason is gone, but you could also argue that uh, Eason maybe was a problem there. Uh, obviously, he was talented, but we heard it all during the draft. He's got character issues, motor and drive issues. A work ethic issues, so um, I kind of like Washington this year. I'm I'm, I'm going Washington in the Pac-12. Right. And what it's a true freshman that's expected to start a quarterback for them, right? Uh, good question. Ethan Garbers, I think, is what okay. I saw, which I is he, interesting. I think he played. I could be wrong, but I think I saw Garbers played last year. Oh, so I maybe a redshirt freshman. No, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, I'm not saying they're all, their defense is carrying them. That's my no, point. No, I know, I know. Well, they they are also interesting, too, in terms of they that's low-key um, a solid school to, to pump out um, running back uh, talent as well. Miles Sanders, the most recent uh, example of that, right? I or think no. so. Bishop Sankey, don't forget about him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> No, true. It's, I mean, I'm sorry, Miles Gaskin. Uh, I was, was going to say, I was like, I don't think so. But no, Miles Gaskin, different Miles. Oh, Gaskin. Okay. Yeah, you're right. That's still, yeah, Washington. They, they pump out NFL talent. So um, yeah. I like Washington this year at plus 400. 
And again, 2020 is kind of, especially in the Pac-12, because we don't, Oregon's not exactly like Ohio State where it's like, okay, it's pretty much them and everybody else. Uh, the Pac-12, I think, is going to be more, it's going to more look like the Big 12 in terms of it could be wide open. Um, and we could be in four weeks sitting here saying like, Arizona State's three and one, and you know it, it's they're running away with it maybe. So it'll be yeah, interesting. I mean, those two teams play at the um, uh, in terms of Washington and Oregon um, the the last week of the, the Pac-12 schedule there. So yeah. that will be interesting. And I think to be honest, too, both teams have a pretty cake schedule leading up to that, um, especially relative to to what their own teams' expectations are. Neither of them have to play a USC. Um, and even I think each of them avoid Utah as well. So I, I don't know. I, I think both of them should have a pretty easy path to be five and what? Utah. What? I don't know if you avoid Utah this year. Again, I, uh, I will compare it to everyone else. Though, hated, they lost everybody off that roster. They're pretty much. You still uh, got to respect them to some degree. Are you more afraid of Utah or Washington State? I'm more afraid of Utah. Okay. I'm a, more afraid of Utah, but what kind of question is that? I'm just saying Utah's in the top half of the conference. That's uh, it's all relative. I if I would love to stack a schedule with Colorado, Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, even maybe even Arizona, UCLA. There's so many bad teams in the Pac-12, or at least teams Cal, that we expect to be pretty bad. Cal's kind of a sneaky pick too. They they finished like eight and five last year. Um, they, they're not going to be terrible this year. So, uh, and that's that, that, that's a week good I'll weekend you, game. I'll let you make them your lock then. Might be talking about in a second, uh, Washington and Cal. Uh, that, that should be a good week one game. So um, let's have a little fun here. Halloween was last weekend, and uh, Gilly wanted to put this one forward. If you guys didn't see a picture of Dan Mullen, he, he had an interesting game against Missouri last week. And then he shows up to his – they get into a brawl. He's, like, inciting the crowd as he walks off the field, WWE style. And then his post-game press conference, he's dressed up like Darth Vader. Uh, so Gilly wanted to play word association game where we each name a coach and we have to say the first Halloween costume that comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, so obviously Mullen, Mullen takes uh, Vader, so he's off the board. Okay. Um, but he doesn't remind me of Vader. No, I, I know, but still, he, he chose his own. That's fine. Unless you'd rather, whatever. No, um, let's go. I'll start it off with, I'll do Jim Harbaugh because I feel like you, you, you'd want to. <laughs> insult him so <laughs> just for the khakis joke oh that's it you know what yeah that, i guess that was a, that was a layup there man yeah. what are you yeah, what are you wearing jim from state farm <laughs> khakis okay okay you know, hideous well he's a <laughs> well he's not john so yeah <laughs> I, I, just, I, I did the entire geico commercial for them um let's see okay my turn um sure. Mike Leach. Ooh. I will say, um, hmm. Oh, I'll go with, um, what's his name? Emmett Brown. Doc Brown from Back to the Future. Or Rick and Morty. Uh, Rick from Rick and Morty. <laughs> okay, I, like, I like that one. I like Rick. From Rick. That's a good yeah. one. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the that, that's the vibe I see when I look at Mike Leach. <laughs> Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. That's, all right. Um, said maybe oh, oh, sorry. I was going to say maybe Steve Sarkeesian for Rick, but that's a never mind. That's true. Um, you know what? I'll I'll give you the, another chance here. I'm just ooping everything to you here, Scott Frost. I'll let you be a hero. 
Ooh, Scott Frost. Uh, Scott Frost, I would have Scott Frost go as Ivan Drago from Rocky IV. He's got the blonde hair. He could spike it up. And then Scott Frost, I don't know if you know this. Maybe it's, it's weird that I do, but the guy is actually still jacked. He's still in, like, playing shape. Still works out every day. Uh, so give me Scott Frost as Ivan Drago from Rocky IV. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I had another, I had one. Ed Orgeron. Oh, he could be a good one. You could go a few different ways with this one. I think you could. Um, wow. That's tough. It, it, I, number of options. I kind of, yeah, I, I feel like he, he seems like the type that's capable of poking fun of himself, but at the same, I, I think he would want to kind of like look, look good. So I'm going to say the incredible Hulk. I think that that would be a good a good choice for him to kind of uh, okay. really uh, give people a visual of like how, how strong and in shape he is too. <laughs> Plus, you can't understand him when he talks, so you know, the low gravel growl anyway. So, yeah. all right, let's do one more. All right, um, let's see, um, Brian Kelly. Oh boy, uh, Brian Kelly. <laughs> Can he even? I don't even know what his like personality is like. I don't even know what he would be. <laughs> There's nothing discernible about Brian Kelly. <laughs> Brian, you know what? Brian Kelly will be Brian Kelly <clears throat> will be what Jim Halpert was on the episode of The Office where they do Halloween. And he just tapes the three holes to his like white shirt and he's like, I'm a three-hole punch. And it's yeah. like the dumbest, <laughs> easiest costume in the world. But Brian Kelly, I don't, I don't know. I, I literally don't know what you want me to make of that one because I got nothing. He's got no discernible characteristics to him. Major short circuit on that one, my God. Do you have one for Brian Kelly? I mean, why? No, why really, I thought it would be funny because he is just so that. plain and boring. He um, is, there's nothing about Brian Kelly. There's nothing to him. Uh, no. It's yeah, understandable. That's all I could, I, I literally couldn't think of anything else. You know, maybe uh, he could be. Oh god, I don't remember the guy, the character's name, but from Office Space, the manager's like, "Hey, I need you to come in on Saturday. That'd be great. Thanks." Yeah. No? Okay. I, you know, I can see that. I was when you said Office Space, I assumed you were going to go with the red stapler guy, because <laughs> I could have seen that as well. That's that just shows how how little we know about Brian Kelly's personality that I was willing to go my stapler. I'm, I'm saving. I'm saving. Uh, I'm saving that one for Adam Gase. That's uh, that's perfect. Adam Gase, just the weird <laughs> eyeballs. Um, okay, last one for you. I'm going to go with a, a home favorite for you, Mike Norvell. Um, I gotta, I'm pulling him up to, to really get a good look at him. I want to really look into his eyes and really, uh, try to get a good. I mean, I got a costume idea for you if you want. No, no, I don't want that. Oh, it was, it, I could say you could dress up as a trash can. Oh, but no. too soon, too oh. soon. Um, I will, I don't know. He's a good looking guy. So it's kind of tough. So you kind of have to do like a good-looking guy costume. You can't just be like, "Ah, eh, something stupid." It's like, no. I think this guy. I think he would go all out. I think he would. He would crush it. Um, I'll say <laughs> you'll laugh at this one as well. I'll go with like a high-end version of the Joker 
Heath Ledger's Joker or even um another version of that. I just feel like a guy like him would go all out. Yeah. He, uh, he seems like an interesting character. Um, I don't know. That's 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 my take. I'm sticking to it. Gray hair, easily dyeable. So that's part of it, too. Um, he used to have cornrows. He could have done the bronze. The it's true. <laughs> he could have been riffraff. But um, <laughs> I feel like you'd want to move on from that photo. But who knows? I, I can see that, though. That's not a bad one. Joker. Okay, there you go. Halloween costumes for everybody. Uh, and then another game we're going to play real quick is – I don't know if anyone's paying attention to the election news, but former college football coach Tommy Tuberville, yes, that guy, Tommy Tuberville, he coached for Ole Miss for three years, Auburn for 10. He was at Texas Tech for three years, and he finished out at Cincinnati, uh, by the way. In 2016 was the last time he coached uh, in Division I college football, but um, he won a, a Senate seat for the state of Alabama. Uh, yesterday, as uh, he took down the incumbent, uh, I believe Mark or Doug Jones. Uh, so Tommy Tuberville is going to Washington, uh, which again we'll we'll just play. We'll do one guy here, but and, and no obvious ones, Gilly, because like Nick Saban, uh, Dabo Sweeney, those guys could probably obviously run for governor right now and coach a football team, and people would vote for him. Um, but I will say, college football coaches becoming politicians post-career not that crazy tom osborne former nebraska legend uh won a congress seat once and he even tried running for governor except he lost uh, oddly enough so um but anyways who would you have who who would be your coach of like not an easy obvious one or like an ed orgeron you know he's gonna he win louisiana easily uh but who would you have as a coach right now that you could see as a politician in like 10 years um, well, so actually, this is one that, if anything, I think would be a politician right now because he, he might, this is awful to say, I don't know how much time he has left. Um, but, and I'm going Steve Spurrier. I think he oh. would be an interesting politician in uh, probably in Florida, realistically. Yeah. I think that's where he's from and that's where he lives. So um, I think that would be my, my pick for the state. And also, too, I think he's 75. So the age is less of a factor for the elderly population of Florida. But um, I think he he would be he's the one of the first guys that came to mind uh, when we're mulling this around outside of the obvious ones. Wow. I, OK, you, you know what? You have me kind of thinking otherwise, because I was kind of on the I was thinking like current ones. But Steve Spurrier is a that, that's a very good choice because you're right. He would he's 75 uh, perfect age to run for president. Apparently it's right around, right. Right around <laughs> our current contenders. An old man. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say he could run for either Florida or South Carolina and probably true. And, and, do, and do pretty well. Um, okay. That has me kind of sort of thinking now in terms of like maybe older coaches that maybe we should be paying attention to. If you say uh, Lou Holtz. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to say Lou Holtz. I don't want that guy as a politician. I don't think he could win. <laughs> Actually, he, he had some pretty bad comments on COVID, if you remember that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you do kind of have to, I guess, think of maybe states that are Republican. I don't think there's too many blue states that are voting for former college football players as uh, their representatives. Um, so you know what? I'm going to go with you on in terms of retired coaches. Uh, and maybe this is cheating just because he's the AD at this school now, but uh, a legend at this school and this state, Phil Fulmer, uh, Tennessee. Okay. That's a good pick. He's an AD, which is a sort of political position already. Uh, yeah. I could see him flipping that into a, uh, you know, 
longtime Tennessee coach, won a national championship there. Uh, he's the athletic director. I, I mean, I could. Uh, I'm kind of Phil Fulmer for uh, for Congress or Senate or something in the state of Tennessee. Steve Spurrier, Phil Fulmer. That's a good one. Those are good picks. We should. Be the, we should go call those guys right now and offer to be their campaign managers for 2022. Midterms are coming up uh, right around the corner. <laughs> right around the corner. Actually, more, yeah. more, more election news and coverage and, and projections. Uh, all right. Let's focus on this week coming up. And let's start with our locks of the week. Last week, big week for Gilly and I. Combined, we went 3-1 and one on our locks. I finally had a perfect week. Went 2-0. and oh, Like I said, it's... Oddly enough, it was Oklahoma and Texas to do it for me. Um, Gilly went one and one. He hit Maryland. I can't remember. You took was North Carolina your other one? Yeah, I went North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina was his other one. Uh, North Carolina lost to Virginia, so I think we can finally get off the North Carolina hype train. Um, but what what do you got for locks this week, Gilly? We'll start with the uh, favorites. Favorites. Uh, wait, can we do the underdogs first? Oh, I don't care. Yeah. Okay. Oh, let's so go cool. underdogs. And um, two underdogs. Is, no, no. I, I know. I meant just like I just want to go with the underdog first because oh, I'm okay, still blowing okay. over the favorites. That's why. Okay. Um, but I'm going. <laughs> actually, I, I shouldn't say unorthodox because at this point, this is I've done this a, a couple weeks in a row. Um, this is our classic little um subsection of a uh, a lock of the week where it's I'm not asking them to do much. I'm not asking them to be in the game. I don't even need to be – they don't need to win. They don't need to be in the game. doesn't even need to be close pretty much at all. They just need to kill the clock and just be <laughs> physically there. As soon as they <laughs> kick off, they're milking the clock for everything it has. <laughs> just, yeah, it's not going to be pretty, but I, I, I'm willing to spend a couple hours of my Saturday suffering through this, and, um, and that is UMass against Marshall. Oh. Plus 44. It was 45 at one point, but it's at 44 right now. I just double checked. Um, I, <laughs> I'm i doing it. That's my lock of the week. It's at Marshall. Marshall's a pretty good team, but I don't know, man. UMass, they're, they're bad. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, that's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. So I'm, I'm willing to, to take the chance. So I'm I'm riding and I'm going with the, the UMass Minutemen. I kind of like going to the local teams too um, as a, a New England guy over here feels warms my heart a little bit. So that's part of it, but um, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, okay. I'm liking it. <laughs> what are uh, your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I'm, I'm gun shy on like kind of telling, you no, but that's been on Friday nights where we've been both wrong about each other's uh, picks. The only thing I will say for Marshall is that when we, you look at those big point spreads like that, usually we're talking about like in uh, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio state, uh, a team like that where they do have players to protect. They don't need to win by 40. People can already tell by the eye test, okay, you're really good. Um, Marshall, on the other hand, they might be apt to run it up and and just keep everybody out there, keep the stars out there, and run it the hell up uh, over 44 points. Um, I can see Marshall really trying to lay it on UMass just because they need kind of the extra attention. They need to put up like a 62 to nothing score for make you to make you say, oh, my God, wow. Because if the score flicks by Gilly and it says Marshall wins 45 to 10 over UMass, are you like, oh my gosh, wow, what a what a bone crushing defeat for UMass? Or are you just like, okay, but if you see Marshall 67 to 3, you're like, what in the what is going on? 
See, well, and the thing is there, though, with Marshall, it's it's also interesting because the line is uh, the over under is 55 or 55 and a half now. Um, but that's a tight window, too. That's another thing that just seems like an anomaly, in my opinion. So if honestly, if UMass scores once, maybe twice, they're kind of a lock to cover, uh, which is insane <laughs> to me, at least. Yeah. Um, Marshall also has not scored more than 40 points since week one against Eastern Kentucky when they did win for uh, 59 nothing. Um but again, that was uh, weeks and weeks ago. They've had a couple postponed games um, in the time since. So I, I think they, they might be a little rusty coming out of the gate. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see uh, what kind of what it looks like. UMass did get lit up last week. Um, which well, we not, not great against Georgia Southern. Um, 41 to nothing, though. So they still would have covered, um, to be clear. <laughs> against Georgia Southern. Yeah. Uh, like I, said, I don't I know. It's, it's a weird pick, but I, I just think it's a weird line, and I think it's it, it could be too much. That's all. Marshall has way more to prove, and I will say I talked to Dave Nitz today, or not today, this week, voice of the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. Um, and Dave obviously has nothing to do with betting, so don't even try to come after him for that. He just told me Marshall is really good because we started kind of breaking down La Tech's schedule this year and how they've been doing and looking forward. And he said, Marshall's the real deal. Marshall's really good. So uh, I trust Dave Nitz in that regard. Um, you're right. 44 points, though, against a Marshall team that we don't know much about. That's not a bad pick. I'm going to say that for you. Uh, we don't know what Marshall is. We don't, they don't, we, we don't know if they are filled with NFL talent. More than likely, no, they are not. Um, they might just be a, a really good team this year. That number might be more UMass is terrible than Marshall is good. Uh, my one hiccup is just that Marshall will be apt to run that up more than uh, teams that we have talked about with big spreads in 2020. But um, yeah, 44 is a, you're right. If you see 44 points and next to a the name that says Marshall, you should be apt to go and take the other team uh, that's favor or getting 44 points, no matter who it is. Cause it's Marshall. It's not Clemson. It's not Ohio state. It's not Alabama. It's Marshall. Um, so I agree with you there. That that might just be a principle that like it, it's con- it's a conference USA team favored by forty points. I don't care who it is. You take yeah. the other team. Yeah. Um, well, also I'm, too to be honest, there and this will be the last bit I say about <laughs> UMass. A lot of UMass content right now. Um, yeah. hey, UMass but, loves um, them. Yeah, <laughs> big UMass crowd too. Big UMass. Um, crowd. But um, so UMass right this this year they are independent. Obviously, they only have three games, all away games. Um. This is they have uh, almost three weeks time uh, before their their next game after this Marshall game. And again, this is their literally a third of the season per game. So I they got embarrassed at Georgia Southern. I think they're going to be kind of guns blaring and ready to go against Marshall. Um, and then they have Liberty on the 27th of November. So I think it's a, a good enough buffer where I'm not worried about them being like a look ahead. Of like, oh, it's like, no, Marshall's like that's this is their Super Bowl. So. Let's just say they don't cover here, though. I'm not going to take them against Liberty. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Liberty's ranked. Uh, Liberty's got Virginia Tech this weekend. That's true. Um, uh, My my underdog lock of the week, I I said uh, I was going to bring this game up again. Um, And this kind of leans into what I said a couple weeks ago when I bet on the Big Ten. And I've kind of been hitting the Big Ten uh, early this year because, again, go after – Vegas when it's early in the year and they have no idea what these teams are because Vegas has no clue as much as you do. Uh, I'm going Washington. My pick for the Pac-12, uh, they're 
point and a half underdog on the road in Berkeley, taking on the University of California. Uh, like I said, I love Washington this year. I think their defense is going to be legit. Um, I love the the one and a half points that they are getting against Cal. I think that's a, a win for them. Because um, I was also kind of toying around with Oregon Stanford, because would Oregon maybe be that team that gets off to the classic, like, hey, we think you're really good, and then slow start. Uh, but I don't know if I can trust David Shaw and Stanford enough. So I'm going to go with Cal. I believe in Cal. I'm a big Husky guy this year. Uh, one Or not Cal, Washington, sorry. I'm going to Washington, a point and a half. They're getting a point and a half at Cal. Give me the Huskies. Interesting. No, I like that. I, a lot of interesting Pac-12 plays, and maybe it's just a name thing where it's like you haven't seen these names yet this year. These, right. <laughs> So it's kind of like, ooh, ooh, I really like that. But um, no, I, I like that. That's a solid pick. I think Arizona State was another tempting one for me, at least, mm-hmm. um, against USC, 10 and a half points. I think that's a little too much. I think it's a little strong. Yeah, especially because, like we just said, uh, and it's I think that 9 a.m. game, <laughs> it's a weird 9 a.m. game in L.A. Uh, that could really anything could happen. I, I like Arizona State a lot in that one. Yeah. Uh, that might be a, like can, can we make that like a, a duo lock, you and me. Yeah, we, let's like, do it. Going in, that'd be like a half for both of us, or we'll just count. As we a can win. count it as a win for both of us if it hits, yeah. and then a loss for both of us if it doesn't. The duo Connor Gilly underdog lock Arizona State plus ten and a half against USC. Yeah, I, I like it. I don't know why I missed that one, but that that's an easy one. Arizona yeah. State beating them all day, uh, ten and a half points at nine a.m. I mean, Jesus Christ, that, no one's going to be awake yet. <laughs> At the, at the Coliseum. Good Lord, give me that one all day. Uh, all right, Gilly, favorites, who you got? I'll let you go first on the favorite. Actually, and I will say one one more quick uh, underdog one. I didn't want to bet with my heart, but again, Nebraska, Northwestern, Nebraska's a three-and-a-half-point underdog. That game always, always, always 100% comes down to a one-possession game. Uh, could be a touchdown, could be a field goal. Uh, three-and-a-half points, though, if you're betting on the underdog. and it, If it was flipped, I'd say – take Northwestern plus three and a half. Uh, Cause again, that game is always close. Um, no one could blame you going uh, three and a half points against, uh, against Northwestern if you're in Nebraska. But uh, my uh, favorite lock of the week, I am uh, going with a team. I went with last time they had a pretty big game um, that I thought they were going to win. And I think they're going to win it again, just by how the, kind of series has gone on the last few years. Uh, I am going the Georgia Bulldogs minus three uh, against the Florida Gators in the world's largest cocktail party, 2.30 kickoff in Jacksonville. Um, actually, is it in Jacksonville this year? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't. Maybe maybe it's not because of, uh, because of COVID. I'll have to look that up. Maybe it's actually somewhere. Um, compared somewhere. To, to crap. You yeah, know what? I don't I'm see. Doing some digging in that. Uh, but, you know, actually, I don't care. I don't care. Uh, Georgia, they're on a three-game winning streak. Uh, they've covered those three points in their last three games. Kirby Smart's 3-1 and one against Florida. Um, give me Georgia to cover three points against the Florida Gators. Uh, Georgia's not losing that game. See, and it's funny because I like so many more underdogs this week than I do favorites, to be honest with you. Because even I had on my short list, too, uh, Maryland as dogs to, to Penn State. That's 24 and a half. Rutgers around 38, 37 against Ohio State. Penn State's going to come in pissed off. I know, but they're only two. That's what's what's tricky about it. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with my uh, my gut here, and I'm just going to suck it up and do a Friday night pick, even though 
they've bit us in the uh, in the keister before. Hey, Friday nights have been good for us lately. True. Oh, yeah, you're right. I, I think I always hesitate, though, because I'm always like, oh, I don't know. Is it? I don't know. It, it's just a freaky start date. It scares me a little bit. But I'm going to go BYU minus three okay. against Boise State. I think they're ready to go. I think this is their – they know that this is their, their last chance and opportunity to really build that college football playoff resume. So I think it will be a handle – Hand, wind handily um, against Boise State, their their last true test, and maybe even re- only true test of their entire season. So it's it's crucial. Okay, three points. Hey, we, we're picking our favorites are both big games, arguably maybe the biggest games of the weekend. Because uh, again, BYU Boise State ranks uh, top ten matchup with BYU at number nine, and then a top ten matchup for Georgia and Florida, uh, largest cocktail party in the world. And yes, I confirm that is going to be played in Jacksonville neutral site as it always is. So um, I like Georgia in that one, three points. I picked them to beat Auburn because I, I, I mean, that was a little easier. Auburn's terrible, uh, but I don't think Florida is quite as good as we think they are. Um, their offense is their strength and Georgia has a, a elite defense. So give me the Georgia Bulldogs in that one. Kirby smart. He knows how to beat Florida. Um, he just doesn't know how to beat Alabama. That's it. That's all. That's his. That's his kryptonite. Is his old school. So, um, our favorites of the week. Me and Gilly both going with a field goal. Georgia for me. Gilly's going BYU over Boise State on Friday night. And then our underdog picks of the week. Washington for me by a point and a half. Gilly's going UMass plus forty four. And then a joint combined effort. Uh, take Arizona State at Pacific time at nine a.m. plus ten and a half against USC. Uh, that one, I, that one's stealing. It's my favorite bro. one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one's stealing. That's not even fair. That's free money. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad we went with the joint one there. That's not one person shouldn't share the spoils of that one. That's for the entire world. That's just the easiest pick I think I've ever seen of all time. Pick it now. If you hear this, do it now. Yeah, get, grab it when you can. Um, okay, let's uh, let's let's kind of quick hit some of these games that we uh, that, that are going to get played this week. Uh, as we said, kind of the, the biggest ones I think at least are. Uh, BYU Boise State, as well as uh, 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 what we just talked about, Notre Dame um, and not Notre Dame. There, I was about to talk to you about them. Georgia, Florida. We just talked about them. Sorry, uh, but obviously uh, the biggest probably game of the week is Clemson Notre Dame. Top five five matchup: number one Clemson, number four Notre Dame. Ian Book against DJ Ugalele. Uh, what do you got on that one, Gilly? Do you think Notre Dame pulls it off? No, I don't think so. Ooh. I think. I think Clemson is going to to hold there. I think that they're um, had they won easily last week, I th- I would be a little more more worried to be honest. But I feel like they already got tested, and I think that kind of scared the bejeebies out of them. So they're going to be guns blazing, ready to go against Notre Dame. I also don't I don't know I don't love Notre Dame enough to actually consider them a um, a, a real real legit threat. I know they're number four in the country right now, but. Kind of similar to the other teams we talked about tonight. Who have they really beaten that were like, oh man, quite a win? Not really anybody so far this season, right? They, they Duke, USF, uh, FSU, Louisville, Pitt, Georgia Tech. Those are, are all of their wins. They're six and zero, which great. They they took care of business. But even like a Louisville, it's like they they beat them twelve to seven. I don't know. I I just mm-hmm. can't really believe that three weeks after you beat Louisville by five points that you're capable of taking down the number two, one team in the country, even if it is uh, without their, uh, their quarterback and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, yeah, you're right. Notre Dame hasn't really, ever since they had kind of that COVID scare. I mean, they, they start off against Duke, meh, 
but we talked about it. Uh, really good teams that kind of struggled that week one. They blow out USF. They have that COVID scare where they have to postpone the Wake Forest game. They come back, and Florida State uh, plays them tough uh, for a first half. Louisville plays them tough the entire game. They finally look like Notre Dame blowout pit, and then last week Georgia Tech, um, they just kind of they're there. Um, they do what they, they take care of business. They do what they have to do, but it wasn't anything like wow. Okay, Notre Dame next week against Clemson. Watch out if you are the Clemson Tigers. Uh, this is going to be good luck. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you there. I'm trying to look up. Uh, the way that Clemson surged back too, that's part of it. They've got, they had yeah. some fight. It's not like they, if they were the opposite where it was like, I don't know, they, they got out to an early lead and then all of a sudden they kind of coasted and then the other teams made it a ball game. I'd be more nervous, but um, because perhaps they, you could argue last week was maybe the letdown game or a look ahead game for Clemson. Yeah, they were thinking definitely. Boston college is nothing. We'll cruise through them to take on Notre Dame. Uh, and you're right. You would think Dabo this week is saying, like, you guys cannot play like that this week against Notre Dame. Um, my only worry is that, obviously, I think, especially on the road, and there are fans allowed in South Bend, uh, they're going to rely on Travis Etienne a lot. Uh, Notre Dame does have one of the better rush defenses in the country. Um, is it enough to contain or stop Travis Etienne? That's a great question. I don't know, because Etienne's probably arguably the best running back in the country. Um but they have a Notre Dame is a really good run defense here. I think it's top ten here as I look. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, they're eighth in the country in, in terms of stopping the run, uh, which which is going to be tough for for Clemson, in my opinion. Yeah, no, you're right, and that could be that could be a critical way to to really stay in the game and also because um, Notre Dame is good rushing on their own. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. So that might be the the story and matchup right there. How Etienne does against. Uh, the Notre Dame rush defense. If he takes advantage and he's able to crack through, then that might be um, the easy coast coast to a win for uh, for Clemson. And what are they at? Like minus six or so? Five and a half. Five and a half. Okay. Six. I yeah. I kind of liked six. Clemson at that, to be honest with you. I I don't think it's going to be oh, as close six. as that, but um, but yeah, no, I I understand at the same time too. But I think Clemson will be ready to go even without Lawrence. I. I don't know. I, I'm sort of – I want to lean Notre Dame here, and it's not because of Ian Book. It's because of that defense, uh, the rush defense. I don't know if Ugalele uh, can carry uh, Clemson over Notre Dame like that. I'm not ready to say that Notre Dame's going to beat Clemson just because, again, I don't believe in Ian Book. I, I don't think when it, the lights shine the brightest that he can deliver. Um, but I would say Notre Dame covers six points. I like Notre Dame covering the six points. Um, I think it's a close game, and I, I, I don't know. I, I think Notre Dame's defense and their rushing attack with, uh, with, with Kylan Williams is enough to make it uh, at least, I don't know, a, a close game. No, that is fair. Um, yeah, no, I'm looking through Notre Dame's schedule right now because I'm just trying to to really understand um, in terms of them being a top 10 rush defense. But one thing I will say, they've had a few low key, like blowout games where the opposing team really isn't running the ball in the second half. So I don't know if that kind of uh, inflates that stat a little bit there. Cause even, even something like Florida state, like they scored a ton in the second quarter. So it was like, they, they really uh, got out in front and then held, held form there. So I think um, Florida state didn't run the ball probably as much as they would have normally if it was a tighter game in the second half. 
You're um, right. And like you said, who is hurting? Thing. Yeah, exactly. And well, great I still think they can not great offense too. But no, I, I, I understand. Six points to... at home against the backup quarterback for Clemson, in my sure. opinion. No, that's that's no, that's a good point. Um, so I like I kind of like him there, but uh, I, I'm sorry. I like I said, I can't see Clemson losing, and maybe that's just because it's Clemson. Um, you don't you you don't believe it until you see it. Um, and I don't know. It's Notre Dame. I don't think Ian Book can come from behind and carry him in that game. No, no chance. Uh, Indiana, Michigan. Uh, surprisingly, Indiana. If I had told you two weeks in they'd be ranked higher than Michigan, you would have laughed at me. Michigan is a three-point favorite on the road against Indiana in Bloomington. Uh, what, do you got for, what do you got for your Wolverines this week? I I would not touch this one personally, but um, I I think Michigan does win. I don't. I think they're still too talented of a team. Um, to really um, suck as bad as that would. And granted, Indiana is a good team. Don't get me wrong, but I think, like you alluded to before, I think they are overranked. Um, Penn State looks solid. It's not like I, I know Penn State is zone two, um, but that that week one win against Penn State is probably not as impressive as um, it felt um, coming out of that uh, that week one in the Big Ten. There, um, they did beat Rutgers by sixteen. So. Granted, you, you got to respect them a little bit, but I think 13 in the country is too much, um, and I think Michigan is is still the better team. So I think Indiana will come back down to earth and uh, and kind of end up in that like six win range. Uh, to be honest with you, hmm. I think Indiana is better than people give them credit for. I think the three points honestly is uh, pretty close. Now I do have Michigan winning and probably covering that game, um, but maybe by a touchdown. Because like I said, I think I agree with you. I think Michigan's got too much talent. Um, I, I still don't understand how you could have last week being a letdown game. I understand you played a ranked Minnesota team week one. Uh, you thought that was like the big flex to show off, like we are Michigan, we are here. Um, but you that was a rivalry game last week. You, that, that, the, the, you shouldn't let that one down, uh, especially at home. So, yeah. But I, I can see Michigan coming in, playing pissed off and beating Indiana. Um, I think the three points is kind of a fair assessment, honestly, for the way the two teams are kind of coming into this one. Um, very rare that Michigan has to sort of sweat out a game against Indiana of all teams. But yeah. uh, I, I like Michigan rolling in that one, to be honest with you, too. I, I'm fine with that. Um, I think to be fair, too, I think that Michigan kind of has a little bit of a window and a path to try to run the table. Granted, I don't think they will. Um, but Indiana this week, um, they do have Wisconsin next week i think what wisconsin turns into is going to be interesting to see um i don't think it's going to be like they're back to their top 10 form that we everyone expected right away so uh, i'm kind of weary to see what wisconsin will look like um then they have rutgers penn state maryland and then ohio state to close out the season Um, obviously ohio state is the big the big test at the end there that to run the table successfully and actually have a claim to the the, the Big Ten championship, they're going to need to win that game. I, they probably won't, realistically. We've been through this before. But if we know Michigan, we know that they're going to be they're going to be believers and they're going to make it just interesting enough um, to, to be in the mix for Ohio State. So then some poor sucker like me takes them at plus 17 and then they get blown out against Ohio State. And it's just a story as old as time itself. Um so yeah, that's that's my path for Michigan. That's why I think they turn it around. Just a fool suckers like me. Uh, Florida, Georgia. We already know my thoughts on that one. Uh, I got Georgia as a lock at three points. But do you disagree with me at all on that one? I kind of like Florida, but I don't. I don't. I don't know. I think that's a 
a tricky game. I think Georgia is better, is the better team, but I just, I am still biased because um, I talked myself into Florida so early on and then they disappointed um, at College Station against A&M. So, um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say Georgia. I think Georgia is the, they know that they have the best chance uh, to be that second fiddle in the SEC to make the college football playoff. Um, so I think they take care of business. Yeah, and honestly, in that one, uh, loser that one, they're pretty much out of the college football playoff. Uh, whereas the winner, uh, definitely kind of not an inside track, obviously, but an inside track to Atlanta uh, to try and knock off Alabama and get to that college football playoff. Um, and then my final one that I'm kind of interested in this weekend here in terms of uh, the points and talk about that, Oregon 10 points against Stanford. Um, again, like I said, I can see Oregon – getting off to a slow start against Stanford. They're not the Oregon of run up and down the field and, and score 65 points a game. Uh, this is going to be a very physical, grinded-out football game. I could see Stanford covering 10 points, but eventually Oregon coming away with the win. Yeah, I I, I would uh, proceed with caution on that one, to be honest with you. But I, I understand your your logic behind that. It could be sloppy, but I, I, I don't know. I, I think – I don't know enough about Stanford to really believe in them to, to actually hang with Oregon. That's where I kind of hesitate on that one. And that is what that's prime time, right? On Saturday night. Yeah. So that's, I don't know. That's another tricky element to me. I don't know. I don't know. Can Stanford hang? Are they, are they ready for that? The bright lights of Oregon <laughs> granted, I bet there's going to be no, um, I assume no fans in Oregon, but I really shouldn't say. Yeah. So. I don't think there's going to be any fans okay. out there. Uh, but their, their fans uh, will be at home uh, getting high on heroin, which is now legal. Out in that state. <laughs> Oregon fans are going to have one, one hell of a season out there. They, they, can, they can do whatever sort of drugs they want. And uh, whew, have, have fun They're not legalized. They're just decriminalized. But <laughs> Well, okay. But still. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see the Twitter's all over that in terms of heroin in, in Oregon right now. But yeah, well, I mean, it's have fun, have fun, Duck fans. You're, they're they're in for one heck of a season. Tell um, you what, in terms of uh, speaking of locks, um, no, no, the election was yeah. an interesting uh, uh, thing to work with in terms of the odds and, and whatnot, right. everything being out yeah, there. Right. Um, United States five for five in terms of approving uh, different um, drug legalization and decriminalization. True. Pretty yeah, wild. No, I, yeah. I kind of was, I shouldn't say pleasantly surprised, but I didn't expect all five to, to pass. I was going to say, I think I saw uh, the state I live in and voted in South Dakota, first state to ever uh, pass both medical and recreational marijuana, like on the first try or same ballot, one of the two. I was or, surprised. Or, I thought you were, uh, yeah, I didn't think that would happen in, most, in South Dakota. But. Yeah, I think most people thought it was going to be okay, medical's fine, because I think people at least now understand, like, yes, some people need that to just have a normal day. Um, but, uh, you know, you figure recreational, not this time, but hey, maybe four, eight years later, it'll eventually usually how uh, it goes. Back in and, and yeah. people will be, change their mind about it. But no, that, that was crazy. So, um, no, Oregon. Those fans, their crazy uniforms are going to freak them out. They're, they're in for a trip. Yeah, when they're uh, high on shrooms that are now yeah. shrooms are <laughs> right. Psychedelics, I think, were legalized. Yep. Uh, so, all right, there you go. There's uh, week nine of – or week ten, I think, of college football. The Pac-12 is back. Uh, the Big Ten is a giant question mark. The SEC has some big games. The ACC has their biggest game of the season that's been or circled on the calendar uh, by us forever. So – 
Have fun. Clemson, Notre Dame, Georgia, Florida, Friday night, BYU, Boise State, Michigan, Indiana, um, Oregon, Stanford. Uh, the action going on right now as we speak. So uh, hopefully you already enjoyed that by the time you listen to us. But um, that'll do it for episode number 22 of Verbally Committed. I'm Connor Ryan. I'm Mike Gilligan. Thanks for listening. See you, everybody.